Hello, everybody. Welcome. Once again, we start a brand new series this week called Neighboring Well. Neighboring Well. Uh, I want to talk in this series about the importance of hospitality and what that means uh, and what that looks like for us as a church and as part of this community. And, and so we're going to take some weeks to dig into a couple of ideas um, that I have some thoughts about hospitality. Dietrich Bonhoeffer said this, The church is the church only when it exists for others, not dominating, but helping and serving. It must tell men of every calling what it means to live for Christ, to exist for others. The church is the church only when it exists for others, he said, not dominating, but helping and serving. And in that, I think that idea of helping and serving is what we're going to talk about when it comes to hospitality in this series. So, so that's where we'll be heading in the weeks ahead, and I'm, I'm looking forward to it and, and for our discussion on that. Um, that's the intro between the intro and uh, when we get into it. I always do a bad joke. I will not disappoint today. You're welcome. What do you get if you cross a cocker spaniel, a poodle, and a rooster? A cockapoodle do. Classic. <laughs> You'll laugh later. Maybe you won't. Cockapoodle do. <laughs> I like it. Scripture reading Romans 12, 9 through 19. I'm reading out of the message paraphrase. We'll dig into parts of this whole passage over the next weeks in our series. Verse 9, love from the center of who you are. Don't fake it. Run for dear life from evil. Hold on for dear life to good. Be good friends who love deeply. Practice playing second fiddle. Don't burn out. Keep yourselves fueled and aflame. Be alert servants of the master, cheerfully expectant. Don't quit in hard times. Pray all the harder. Help needy Christians. Be inventive in hospitality. Bless your enemies. No cursing under your breath. Laugh with your happy friends when they're happy. Share tears when they're down. Get along with each other. Don't be stuck up. Make friends with nobodies. Don't be the great somebody. Don't hit back. Discover beauty in everyone. If you've got it in you, get along with everybody. Don't insist on getting even. That's not for you to do. I'll do the judging, says God. I'll take care of it. And blessed be the word of the Lord. So I want to talk about this idea of hospitality. And uh, I call this series Neighboring Well because I, I sort of want that to be the idea of what does it look like to, to be a good neighbor? What do we think that means? Uh, in a series that we did some weeks ago, we talked about interacting. And, and that series was really all about loving God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength. And loving our neighbors, ourselves, And while we were in that series, I defined for you what I meant by neighbor. Uh, and, and I want to do that again. You know, our neighbor is the people that we encounter in our day-to-day -day life who need the mercy of God. So it's not limited just to the people on either side of us geographically or in that sort of block. Our neighbor is the people that we run into throughout the course of our lives, our day-to-day -day lives, who need the mercy of God. So in effect, our, our neighbor is pretty much anybody that we run across that, um, that if we're attentive, 
um, we can see that, that um, God wants us to reach out to them. Now that understanding of neighbor comes from a parable that Jesus gives in Luke 10, uh, verses 25 through 37. Most of you will know this as the parable of the Good Samaritan, but in it is the definition of neighbor. So let's look at it together. Verse 25, on one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, he replied. How do you write, read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. You've answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself. So he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? In reply to that question, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he fell into the hands of robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So to a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was. And when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged, bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, took him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two silver coins and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. And Jesus told him, go and do likewise. So certainly there's a lot in that parable that we could talk about and we have talked about, but the heart of what I wanted to look at was that question, who was the neighbor? And the neighbor is the one who had mercy on him. So your neighbor is the person you encounter in your day-to-day -day life that needs the mercy of God. Your neighbors are the wounded, broken, and lost people around you every day who desperately need the compassion of God. They might live in your neighborhood. They may work with you. They're the servers at restaurants, and they're the cashiers at grocery stores, and they're the counter people at fast food restaurants. They're the drivers who don't yield when they're supposed to who go too slow in the left lane. They're the people that you encounter throughout each and every day in need of the mercy that we've all been shown by our Heavenly Father. And so I want to take this idea of neighboring well, reaching out to neighbors and what that looks like, uh, with this thought of hospitality, this helping and serving idea, and we're going to dig into that over the next weeks together. And this, this idea... Um, has a very spiritual component that we're going to dig into over the next few weeks and also um, a very practical component that I want to speak about as well. But first things first, I want to start by talking about this. And point number one in your notes is this, the importance of being sincere. The importance of being sincere. Romans 12, 9 through 13, this time of the NIV. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal. But keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with God's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Practice hospitality in, in the original language literally means continuously pursue hospitality. 
And the Greek word translated hospitality is the word, it means love of strangers. So we're to continuously pursue loving strangers well. Um, and, and so hospitality, uh, this is an English definition, is the quality or disposition of receiving and treating guests and strangers in a warm, friendly, and generous way. It's a way of treating people in a warm, friendly, generous way way. And so this hospitality that we're talking about is all about loving others through Christ and making them feel special. That's part of the calling that we have. Making them feel like they matter. Making them feel like they're important. Like God would have them feel. Remember we're his ambassadors. We talked all about this. But, but this is a heart of hospitality. Um, it's, it's too easy to dismiss hospitality as, as just, uh, you know, having someone to your house. And that's certainly a, a part of it. But it's not the, the part that we're talking about. And there's also, we'll, we'll look at this, people that have a gift of hospitality. For some people, that it seems to happen e- easier than for others. But we're all called to it. Um, some will be better at it. But it's, the, it's a calling um, that goes beyond that idea of having people over to dinner. This is a way that we treat people... Um, all the people that we meet who need the mercy of God in a warm, friendly, and generous way. This is the idea of the hospitality that God is calling us to. Loving others through Christ. Seeing them the way He does. Thinking about them the way He does. Serving them the way He does. Loving them the way He does. So that it makes them feel like they matter. See, this is the calling of the church. Too often the church has taken people outside the church and made them feel less than special. In fact, they, they often are, are uh, they feel condemned by the church. They feel like the church is critical of them. They feel anything but welcomed. And, and it's something that we have to work on and change in the church to get, to get this thing moving in the right direction. But this has to be sincere. See, this can't be an agenda. We can't set an agenda because ultimately people that you are you're moving towards in hospitality, if it doesn't come from a sincere place in your heart, they'll know that it's phony. They'll know that it's not genuine. You can't fake it. And, and, um, and certainly, our hope is always that people will come to know the Lord. That's at the, the core of all that we do. And, and it's a part of us. And it's, it's certainly what we're hopeful for. But the idea is this, um, that that can't be our requirement for loving people well. See, the end result can't be the requirement. That's part of us, but it becomes our agenda because what will happen is if people don't respond the way that we want them to, we'll start to treat them differently and they'll know that it wasn't sincere. See, you need to love people the way that, that God calls us to and, and ultimately our hope is that everybody comes into the kingdom of God. But, but should they reject or, or push away or not go the way you want, Sometimes that's a test. You have to keep loving them anyway. It has to be regardless of their response. This, this genuineness has to be coming from a place that, that is beyond response um, on their part. It's just because we love you because God has loved us. It's just because God has done this for us that we're going to show this to others. And, and, and certainly because we know life in Him, we want everyone to experience it. But we can't treat people um, differently based on their rejection of what we come with. And because if it's an agenda, if, if, if um, I, I too often have heard from people that have um, sort of, you know, befriended people, and when they haven't moved into the kingdom like they wanted, they just kind of cut them off again. And it's, it's, it lacks um, sincerity. It's not what we, what we want to have in our heart. We want to treat people 
um, honestly and, and with sincerity. Um, regardless of how they respond, love must be sincere. So we have to talk about that. That, you know, the, the responses between them and God, and like I said, ultimately, you know, my hope, the reason we do this is for one more. The, all of this is so that people come to know Jesus. That's what it's all about. But I'm going to love people regardless because that's our calling. The, the rest of it's between, you know, people and God and what they work on. But our part is to love them well, to encourage them, to treat them like, like they're special because they are, to, to look beyond some of the superficial responses that we get and hang in there with people, to, to you know, love them even when they, they push away. We just continue to love and to reach out and, and to press into people's lives. And we're to do this, and this is a big deal, we're to do this. Secondly, we're to be hospitable without grumbling. I love that. Without grumbling. 1 Peter 4, 8 and 9. Above all, love each other deeply, because love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. So we're to become hospitable people, demonstrating hospitality to others, the way that God has to us. And this isn't something that, that is to, um, we do it with that, oh man, I got to be hospitable. It's something that should come out of us because of what God has done in and for us. And, and 1 Peter 4.10 finishes that thought. Each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in its very forms. So, so as we've received from God, we're to use whatever he's given us to serve others. That word there is that serve. That's the idea of hospitality again. Faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. We're to be, uh, uh, you know, an avenue of God's grace in all its various forms, which are, which are many. And to remember that the ultimate display of sincere and genuine, without grumbling, active hospitality was when Jesus willingly went to the cross and died for sinners so that everyone who repents and believes becomes a member of the household of God. See, we find our true home in Him. We're no longer strangers and aliens because of His love for us. We are the family of God. And He loves us. He loves us while we were yet sinners. He loved us while we were turning our back on Him. He loved us regardless of our response. He loved us, but He wants us to respond to His love ultimately so that we can spend eternity with Him. He continually is offering us choices to turn and repent and to, to find life in Him. He's offering it continually to others. And He uses us as a vehicle of this love, as a vehicle of this way in, into the, to the life that we understand. But we also have to look at this in the weeks ahead as a very spiritual battle. The third point is this, that the battle line, line has been drawn. There, there's a definite battle going on around us, a spiritual battle. And, and this neighboring well idea um, goes on in the midst of a spiritual battle. Ephesians 6.10 through 12, and we'll dig into the armor of God in the weeks ahead. Um, finally be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. So we need to remember 
that this battle that's going on isn't between us and the people that are not in the family of God. Um, our, our battle uh, that we're engaged in is a battle that goes on between two kingdoms, the kingdom of God and the kingdom of darkness. And it's a fascinating battle because it's, it's, it, these, these kingdoms are far from equal. Um, the, the, the reality is that the kingdom of God is already triumphed and, and was never in question that there would be any other result in what's taking place. The kingdom of darkness exists for a season and a time, um, but the kingdom of God has already prevailed at the cross. And there was never a, a question as to what was going to take place. But this battle um, continues on. Even though ultimate victories happen at the cross, there's, there's still this very real battle, this sort of mop-up things that are happening until Jesus comes back. And so, so the concept is that there's two kingdoms, the kingdom of God and the kingdom of darkness. There's only two kingdoms. And, and listen, everyone is either in one or the other. The, everyone is in one or the other. You're in the kingdom of God by choice. You're in the kingdom of darkness by default. If you haven't chosen to be in the kingdom of God, you're in the other kingdom by default. You might go, oh, no, no, not me. That's, that's the only other option. Kingdom of God by choice, accepting Jesus into your heart, and then living the life of a disciple. You know, the, the, the terminology is important. You know, we, we want people to confess with their mouths and believe in their hearts that Jesus is Lord and then live for Him this life that we're talking about in the process. And it's in that life and in that confession that, that we engage with the kingdom uh, of God. But if you haven't gotten to that point, by default you're in the kingdom of darkness. And, and in our last series, part of the whole thing was that we were called to be people who declare the praises of Him who has brought us out of darkness into His marvelous light. We, we, he, he made it way possible for us to get out of that darkness to the kingdom of light, the kingdom of God that He's called us to. Now what takes place is, as people that have been rescued from that darkness into light, and, and, and now as, as citizens of the kingdom of God, part of our calling is to engage in this battle for our neighbors. Um, we're to begin to stand for our neighbors. We're to begin to pray for our neighbors. We're going to begin to pray for opportunities to, to, uh, to tell people about the life that they can have. Um, we're to engage in this battle by loving people well. We, we engage in this battle by um, uh, letting people know this love of God and, and making people feel special, that they matter, that they count, that there's a purpose beyond what so many people think life is all about, you know, just gathering possessions and stuff and power, and that that's where life is found, and it leaves them empty because life isn't found there. Life is found in Him. And so, so this, this battle rages on around us, and we have to be aware of it, and we have to engage in it. And we do that in, in with, provided with the armor of God, which we're going to talk about in detail, and, and how that helps us engage in this battle wisely and smartly and, and the way that God would have us. He's provided everything we need to engage in this battle. And so I want to look at, at the next few weeks. We're going to talk about just that, this spiritual component, this battle that goes on, and our part in it as we gauge in it, and the armor that we have so that we can stand against the schemes of the enemy on behalf of our neighbors. And there's a lot of schemes out there. There's a lot of little things out there that keep people from coming into the kingdom of God. Sometimes we have to break down stereotypes. Sometimes we, we have to just encourage people. Sometimes, you know, we got to go out of our way to let them know that they matter. 
Um, it, there's so many facets to this because the enemy is schemed and lied and, and told people that, you know, all sorts of lies that they believed. And part of us, now we stand in truth. And we stand in righteousness, living, trying to do the next right thing. We, we pray. We, we engage. We spend time in the Word. We, we go after things that aren't true. We do all those things in love. This is what we're called to in this process. And this is all part of neighboring well. So that's what we're heading into over the next few weeks. Um, I'd encourage you, if you get a chance, to go ahead and read through, if you haven't lately, Ephesians 6, 10 through 18, uh, about the armor of God. We're going to discuss that in detail and um, think about this idea of hospitality, about helping and about serving and, and the calling that we have to love others through Christ and to make them feel special so that they can respond to the gospel, confessing with their mouth, believing in their hearts, all that Jesus has done so they can live as his disciples and find the life that he's called them to. So that's where we're headed in the weeks ahead. That's good for today as an introduction. If you're watching my video on television, thank you so much. We appreciate you doing that. If you need prayer, uh, go to our website. And there's a prayer page there. Just put in your request. We'll be praying for you. You can call us uh, if you'd like uh, as well, and we'll make sure that we pray for you. But thank you for spending time with us. Come and visit us when you can. We'll see you soon.